Hello and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast for retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. In this episode, we're at Cybos 2023 in Toronto, Ontario, where we are joined by Judith Tinto and Prakash Patni from IBM, who are at the forefront of revolutionizing banking through hybrid cloud solutions. We're going to explore how hybrid cloud can support complex banking workloads, foster innovation, and drive advanced technology strategies. We're also going to delve into the critical aspects of managing risk in hybrid cloud implementations within the banking sector. Whether you're a banking professional, a technology enthusiast, or simply curious about the future finance, this conversation is a must listen to. Hybrid cloud unlocks powerful new capabilities for banking while also requiring careful planning and execution. For many organizations, we're at the beginning of this exciting journey that opens the door to exciting opportunities. That said, there's still much to uncover as we execute hybrid cloud solutions. So before we begin, can you both introduce yourselves and discuss a little bit about where you think the evolution of the hybrid cloud solution is within IBM and beyond IBM within the banking community? So Judith, why don't we start with you? Sure. Uh, Judith Pinto, and I am with Promontory Financial Group. We are an IBM company. We sit within IBM Consulting, and we focus largely in financial services, uh, assisting banks with regulatory issues. I had our information, our technology information risk management practice, so deal, we deal with banks as they look to move to hybrid cloud situations. Um, and I think what we're seeing is you know, some concerns from the regulators uh, around the complexity of the technology environments as banks look to, to move to a hybrid cloud situation. However, they also recognize the benefits of moving. So it's important for banks to be able to manage the risk as they make those transitions. Prakash, a little bit about yourself and where you think the hybrid cloud solution is as far as the evolutionary process and, and maybe even on a maturity basis within finance. Yeah, great to be here, Jim. Um, so I look after our so part of the digital transformation, IBM Cloud Financial Services. So I work with our um, financial services clients to help them um, adopt cloud and new technologies. So just to answer your question in terms of um, where you know, hybrid cloud is and where I think we are, it has moved a lot over the last few years. So I think if you asked a bank four, five, six years ago, many of them were still talking about being cloud first or cloud only. That has very much changed. We've done a um, some recent surveys with um, CC executives, and um, most of them now say they have a hybrid cloud strategy. So I think it has really matured in terms of how people think about it and the adoption and the technology itself in terms of how do I operate, how do I work in a hybrid cloud environment has also changed. So I think this is where most people are today, and I think this is where I think the future is going to be. So where do you see the role of hybrid cloud right now? Again. I think the, there's going to be an expansion as there's more comfort level with hybrid cloud. But what do you see as the roles that most financial institutions are using hybrid cloud for right now? So as, as they started moving, just maybe walk you through the journey, when they started their um, transformation journeys and the move to cloud, um, they initially started with some of the simpler, less sensitive workloads, as you would expect, right? The cloud was new. They didn't want to make any mistakes. Um, but as they've come better, their people have become more familiar with cloud. They've started to look at some of the more back office, middle office workloads, and these are more sensitive. The, the requirements for compliance, security become higher. So the reason we're seeing, I think, this hybrid cloud move is 
they're starting to understand that certain workloads almost make sense to keep on premises because of their security needs, because of performance, latency. They've also started to look at um, industry cloud. So IBM came out with the launch of IBM Cloud for Financial Services uh, a few years back, and this was aimed squarely addressing these middle and back office workloads because of the higher levels of security, higher levels of compliance that we've built in. And we also heard this from the industry. So we set up a cloud council, has over 140 members, includes not just banks and financial institutions, but also regulators and standards bodies. And together we co-created what, you know, what is it that the industry really wanted? And many of the banks were going through the same pain points as it were around when you use a general purpose cloud in a regulated industry, you can't use it out of the box. You have to harden it. You have to uh, make sure the security controls are built in. And all the banks were doing this themselves. Maybe there was some slight difference, 10, 20%, but 90, you know, on the whole, 90% of it was the same. So they're asking, why are we all doing this? And so IBM said, look, we will do this for you. So we've embedded all of these controls into our cloud so that clients can use it out of the box, knowing it's got the best-in-class security, the best-in-class control standards, et cetera. So I think that's the second piece. And then um, the third piece has really been around regulations and regulators. So they've been asking many more questions around concentration risk, around exit strategies, and that's driven people to much more of a, a multi-cloud world. So we're very, because of all of these themes, we're in a place where it is very much about hybrid cloud and because you can now place your workload where it makes the most sense. You don't have to, you know, there isn't like one right answer. It's there's many answers depending on what you're trying to do. You know, it's interesting when we had our prep call, we talked about the fact that, I mean, it was like an aha moment for me when you came out with the, the partnership with Bank of America and built a, a platform that any institution can take from that point. Yeah. And as you mentioned, only have to deal with the 10 to 20% that's very unique to their organization, or they view it a different way than, than your in-the-box solution. But on the other hand, when you're looking for speed and scalability, when you're looking to not have to do everything yourself or to hire a whole team to evaluate every little part of the process, it's good to have a partner that allows you to, to take it more than halfway down the field and, and get it in the red zone in a football analogy. So, Judith, it's interesting. We, we talked about this also that in the beginning, most institutions were very hesitant about the cloud because of their concerns about risk and security. How does a hybrid cloud compare to a traditional back office system with regard to the risk and security issues, data issues, all the things that were at the forefront, but now almost has flipped? Right. And, and when, you know, banks began to move to the cloud, uh, you know, the first area was concerned is not having transparency into how a lot of the controls worked. And so that drove their hesitancy in moving critical workloads. And as Prakash said, they started to move less sensitive workloads because it was less risky. But as people have become more familiar with the cloud environment, um, as Prakash had said, they're establishing those controls but now, you know, they need to be conscious of how they're operating in that cloud environment versus how they're operating on-prem. Is it the same? Is it different? You know, and so we're seeing regulators really kind of look at any differences because they want to see the consistency that you're managing this across whatever platform it's running on. And so we're seeing, you know, as Prakash had said with, you know, IBM Cloud for Financial Services, a lot of those things are embedded. So it operates very similar to how these banks are operating their current environments today. But again, 
you got to focus on, you know, where there may be some inconsistencies and how can you drive some, some consistency with those in different yeah. environments. Yeah, it, it's interesting. We could probably make this a topic for almost every podcast I do okay. right now, is that in many cases, technology and where we are today is moving faster than most banks can keep up with, but certainly faster than the regulators are. Right. We, we talked about this, you know, should financial institutions use compliance and the regulators as an excuse not to move forward or to move forward slowly? Or do they have to move forward with the knowledge of what the regulators are trying to achieve and deal with those issues as they're implementing? Yeah, it's a great question, Jim. The regulators have been pretty clear about the principles around risk management. And, they sh and banks should never, you know, use the regulators as an excuse not to move forward. However, they need to do so with those risk principles in mind. Um, you know, one of my colleagues, who's a former regulator, said never wait for the regulators to tell you how to do oh, it or right. what to do. You know the principles, do so with safety and soundness in mind. And so we're seeing organizations starting to tiptoe into AI and generative AI but with those risk principles in mind. And so it's still, they still proceed cautiously, but they're still proceeding forward because they don't want to be left behind because you have these fintechs that are out there that are less regulated that are moving much more quickly. Yeah, it's interesting because I think almost all bankers, most of them, not, not the more progressive ones, really hold on to the old principles, hold on to what's worked, and it's really hard to make change. It's, it's for all of us and it's for every institution. And it's hard for the regulators to keep traps on everything that's going on. And, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say beg for forgiveness rather than asking for permission, but asking for permission among an org organizations, governmental units that really are learning on the go also, you almost have to help educate the regulators as to what is possible. You know, I, I look back in the old days when I said, you know, we thought signature cards were necessary until we realized what the real concept was, was know your customer, which right. can be done digitally. And it was the aha moment again where everybody said, well, geez, we never thought of it that way until we did. And it's an interesting scenario because at the same time that hybrid cloud's coming into focus and, and being used more, we also have new technology. We have generated AI. We have innovation models and everything. Gosh, how does the hybrid cloud help enable what can be done in the generative AI space with regard to data and AI and within the whole concept of innovation in banking. So if you take the whole, um, the, the broader point about innovation and just picking up on your earlier thread about the ecosystem and partners and fintechs, we are seeing banks use uh, a broader set of digital suppliers. Now that's having a couple of implications. One is, um, if you start to use these third and fourth parties, you've got to make sure that they're secure. So again, going back to the, the regulatory point around fintechs being possibly less regulated than banks are. So what you've got to do is, is secure that digital supply chain. So that's one of the challenges that you have. We've also seen um, bad actors increasingly target these startups, fintechs, because they see it as an easier way to gain access to banking systems. So there was a report I was looking at, and I think 10 years ago, there were about two breaches a year being reported. Now there's something like 10 third party every single month, right? That These are the ones that are recorded. So we know this is a real problem. And um, I think it was back in February, Janet Yellen of the, the Treasury made a statement, something along the lines of, um, even though you know, fintechs have you know, brought innovation, 
to the financial services market, they've also increased risk. So that's on the one hand, that's what you have. And then on the other hand, you have banks who really do want to use these providers, these um, you know fintechs and innovation that's available through them. But they get often overwhelmed because they have so many of these and they have to make sure they're secure. So their third party oversight teams obviously have to go through a lot of due diligence and that can slow the whole process down. Um, some of the fintechs, like, you know, I work quite closely with a number of fintechs and they were saying they've stopped targeting two on banks because it was too painful to onboard. And that's not what banks do when banks want, right? And they, I'm, I'm working with the neo banks because it's simpler to get through their onboarding process. So you have this um, on the fintech side, you have an, an organization that doesn't necessarily have the skills that you need to be able to get through the onboarding process on the banking side. You have um, all of this demand, and so it slows it down, and it can take 18, 24 months to onboard. So if you want it as a bank, you can't wait 18, 24 months to take advantage of innovation, right? So some of the things we've been doing, this, again, our clients came to us and said, can you help us with this problem? Because there's no industry standard for this. Right. Um, and the, part of the IBM Cloud Financial Services Framework helps to do that. It creates this standard. And what we've been doing with clients has been saying, if you want to take advantage of these, innovative third parties. We will um, um, deploy you on our cloud, we will deploy in hardened architectures, but more importantly, we will um, test you against the control framework, which is comprehensive and it's over 500 control requirements. And if you pass that, then you know you can get onboarded much more quickly. A number of the banks have seen so much value from this. They've said all of their third parties, the only way they'll get consumed is if they go through this process that we put together. So all of that's helping, I think, you. There's a lot of friction points in this in the um, process, but by working and addressing these challenges like the way that we've done in partnership with our clients, you can actually overcome them and take advantage of this innovation. You know, one thing that's interesting too, and in, in something that I've become much more familiar with as I've worked with IBM at multiple events is that IBM no longer is taking over a, a, a complete process. Like, so in other words, if you partner with IBM, it's not like it's, it's a package, take it or leave it. Yeah. You are working with a number of partners within and outside of the financial institutions as they work with multiple partners to implement solutions. How do you integrate that within a hybrid cloud sol solution matrix where you, you, know, you almost touched upon it with regard to not only security, but with regard to just the, putting the pieces together as you may? So some of what you get from hybrid cloud is that flexibility. So some of the um, solutions that we've been working with clients on, things that you could do on premises um, yourself, but maybe took a long time or were slower. So give you an example, high performance compute, when um, a number of the banks are doing their risk calculations, they could buy all of this hardware in themselves, deploy it, but that can take months. But if you integrate it with the cloud, you're able to then burst out and, and use it as and when you need it, right? So that's given them that extra capability and flexibility so they can meet their um, you know, risk calculations or whatever it might right. be. It's the same with fraud detection, for example, right? So bringing AI into that, again, you need high levels of compute power. Um, banks were doing sampling of fraud. Um, so you were, a number of people have said, sometimes I got alerts or people questioning me when I was abroad, but other times I wouldn't. And that's because of that sampling nature. Banks didn't have the capability capacity to, to do all of, you know, check every single transaction. But now that we've got into the realms of AI and you're able to use the cloud, you start bringing these things together um, and very much in the hybrid cloud world, right? The, the capability of both allows you to get much higher levels of checking of transactions when, if you're doing fraud detection, for example. So these are a couple of examples where hybrid cloud is making things possible that perhaps in the past you could have done on-prem, but it would have been 
highly costly and um, prohibitive in terms of timing as well. Well, the data element alone, the massive amount of data that a cloud solution can give you versus a traditional solution, and in a in a in a regulated yeah. uh, re- regulated okay scenario. So, you know, we you talked a little bit about the security and the risk issues, and IBM works with clients to make their their hybrid cloud solutions secure and re- under regulation. So, what does IBM actually do towards that? I understand that that's the focus, and that's the focus of everything we're doing with the cloud or anything we're touching right now. How does IBM help? Um, improve the knowledge base of the organization as to how they have to address these challenges. All right. Well, I think the first thing IBM does is to educate themselves on the regulations themselves. So we promontory work very closely with the cloud team and monitoring regulatory change across a number of jurisdictions. Um, but also because a number of my colleagues or former regulators, we kind of you know can see where the regulations are starting to head yeah. as well. Um, the one thing I wanted to add to what Prakash was saying is we're also seeing regulators starting to use cloud more often for the very reasons he was just saying. Yeah. And, and you were mentioning is the large data sets. Right. They they are taking advantage of this as well. So they're innovating at, at the same they're time. They're understanding Banks, as they, they use it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but IBM, it, it's important, I think, for our clients as we come to them to help them solve the problems that we do understand the regulatory environment. We understand what pressures they're under and that puts us in a better in a better position to help them solve the problems. And like I said, we work closely with the cloud team in monitoring regulations, monitoring change, not just for cloud, but also we're, you know, have expanded that to AI as well, where we're seeing um, jurisdictions such as Europe, Brazil come out with, you know, um, AI re- regulations. You mentioned Brazil, you mentioned mm-hmm. other countries. And I think, you know, one of the challenges that North America has as well as the UK is we were built mm-hmm. on, a, on a traditional banking system while right. there's now whole economies, whole continents that really were built on a, on a, a cloud and a digital technology basis. Where in the world do you see hybrid cloud and even some of this innovation on technology being more advanced and what can other countries learn from those because IBM is obviously an international company that that allows you the ability to touch into different marketplace but what have you seen elsewhere? Yeah, I think in your, we're seeing a lot of innovation in Europe, um, Latin America, South America, um, where everything has gone more digital. They're trying to reach a broader customer base and the easiest way to do that is to go digital. And to your point, the U.S. and continental Europe had invested in this banking structure right. for a long time. And so they've been less quick to move to a digital platform. Kosh, I don't know, you know, would you agree, disagree with the, those comments? No, I, I totally agree with you. And I think, um, just give you a couple of examples we've seen, um, especially in the banking world where you would have the typical way to enter a market would have been to create a branch network and then go from there. And if you're in a country like Africa or some areas in the Middle East, it's hard to do or it's very costly to do. So we've seen this move straight to things like mobile banking and payment. So you can, you know, on your app, pay other people, uh, you know, use all sorts of financial inclu- services. And we've seen financial inclusion drive up rapidly in those organizations. So you've seen places like 
Africa, I think some of the statistics, it went from 20% inclusion up to 80 within a few years. I think India managed to hit their inclusion target in six years and they had a 45-year target, right? So you can see how how much um, change you can bring in. I think those are the countries that we're seeing real innovation in terms of adopting these new technologies, be they cloud or other things. And and Pacer, Paytm in India, those are the types of card solution providers that have really demonstrated how this is possible. It's interesting when you think about M-Pace and you think it's a it's a cloud platform now and, and we always looked at M-Pace as the most basic of basic digital digital engagements. Well, now it's, it's really where everybody's trying to go, which is let's make this simple, as simple as possible. Yeah. Let's make it lowest level of effort needed to deploy. You know, when, you, when you're talking about this, I, I went to um, China back right before COVID and realized that the cloud provide capabilities for testing. It provided capabilities to serve lower income and lower um, economic levels of consumers because you can run all kinds of new models around risk and reward and realize, you know, I don't need to make this much, but if I make it on the masses, I'm in better shape there. How do you see the hybrid cloud really enabling innovation, back office simplification and, and automation? Because these all really work together one part's enabling others and things of that nature. How do you see that being done? And do you have any examples? So hybrid cloud has really helped um, accelerate the, the innovation in a lot of these areas, especially, I think it's not just been about hybrid cloud. I think it's that intersection now with Gen AI as well, which is really helping move that forward. Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples and I'll bring it together, right? So um, one of our banking clients that we were talking to recently wanted to take advantage of generative AI, but some of the data that they had, they were, they were like really uncomfortable about putting it on the cloud. And so they go, can you bring the capability, Gen AI capability to my on-premises? So I, I keep my data secure, but I still get the benefit of generative AI. And so solutions like Watson X allow us to, to do that. Um, another client was then looking at solutions around, they wanted to move to a platform model. So they were moving away from, um, maybe just giving, selling products in general. And they wanted to think about how do I bring all of this data across my ecosystem together so I can predict when the customer needs something. So you know, instead of them going, oh, I'm going to sell them a mortgage product, they're like, that's not really what they're trying to do. They want to buy a house. If I want to buy a house, I need savings. I need um, a good credit score. I need, um, I need, at some point, I need a mortgage product. So how do I understand all of you know where that client is and then offer them the right thing at the right point, right? So all of that only becomes possible when you have gener- generative AI type solutions, which can analyze all of this data, but then you've got all of this data on-prem, on the cloud, on multi-cloud. How do you bring all that together? So to your point, right, hybrid cloud isn't about, in, in the past, a few, 10 years, 15 years ago, people were like, let's centralize all of my data stores and then analyze it. Now you can just go, doesn't matter, leave the data where it is. I'm gonna be able to analyze it wherever it is. Um, across this hybrid environment, bring it all together, and now I can really serve the customer in a much better way through, you know, whether it's semantic banking or contextual banking, whatever phrase you want to use, but it's being able to, to meet that greater customer expectation. And I think that's what really hybrid and AI and cloud and all of these technologies are, are finally enabling, right? I think that's what we're starting to see. And with speed. Absolutely. You yeah. know, that's the, the key thing is that we were talking with a client here recently who, you know, was looking to be able to turn a decision around, for example, for, for a loan process right. within minutes right. rather than days. And so I think customer expectations are driving a lot of that. So talk about customer expectations and 
client expectation as in financial institutions. You know, risk is still just so paramount and the, the fear of what hybrid cloud or a cloud solution may be. When you're sitting down with a financial institution, how do you, number one, what's the biggest challenge that they see with regard to risk and security? And how do you help them feel more comfortable about the solution that's out there today compared to what they see? Because again, you know, we're not talking about the forerunners. We're, we're talking about the people that are in the mass, the mass people that are that are just starting to dip their toes in the cloud market, talking about it, knowing what has to be done, but still being fearful. How do you alleviate that fear? And, and what's the biggest challenge that the financial institutions have in that whole space? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges that the institutions face is around third-party risk. And it's not just your that institution's immediate use of cloud, but understanding the ecosystem's use of cloud. And Prakash had touched on this a little bit. You know, if you look at your critical service providers, how many of them are using cloud? Are they using the same cloud provider? And looking at that concentration risk. And then what's the impact if one of those, and, you know, um, service providers have a resiliency issue. So how does that impact the resiliency of the financial institution? So I think that's where a lot of, organization struggle is is understanding that larger picture because regulators are very quick to point to recent cloud failures that have been had minimal impact but still impact right and so the, the we, we fi- look for the news yes. that addresses what we believe correct so we, we, we do it in human nature it's just that we look for things that people that agree with us even if they're wrong right exactly <laughs> or if we're wrong yeah exactly and then you know and then take that and you think about the worst case scenario you know yeah. um and so i think that's where they really struggle and so we work with clients in establishing you know robust third-party risk management programs understanding to help them build sort of that inventory and understand where are the risky third parties where do they really need to be focusing because you can't boil the ocean you really need to be able to prioritize and then um, be able, but that's that's where we're seeing a lot of focuses in that third party risk area. So stick with you for a second. What advice do you give financial institutions that are starting to, to really say, I'm gonna move from the analysis to the actually doing it? Right. The, the how part. What do you suggest from a security and risk standpoint, what they need to do to be ready to implement. Right. And and it's looking at, you know, solutions um, like FS Cloud, for example, where you've got third parties who are already onboarded there because that can help minimize the impact to your team as you do um, these assessments, but also minimize the risk that you're taking on and, and really sort of prioritizing, looking for, you know, robust solutions that exist um, to, to, help, to help solve that problem. What suggestions do you give financial institutions you know, the, the key element to get going, to get it done. I'd, I'd ask them to think about what activities are going to add the most value. So often we would see um, banks spend a lot of time um, building controls. and you know, it, Often it can take 18 months, a year, two years before they're at a point where they can start taking advantage of the cloud. So I think it's important to know, you know, and all of that time, you're, you're not innovating, right? You're not delivering to the client. Mm-hmm. So why go through that? And then you have to maintain all of that environment and keep it up to date as regulations change. So that's not really where the value side of things are. So I would say, think about you know, what what is it that's going to drive the value? And if it is adopting solutions, be they things like the IBM Cloud Financial Services or SaaS solutions, 
things that are um, you know, not a commodity, but less are becoming much more commoditized, right? So don't spend your time there, spend it on the innovative side, but also think about where you're going to be in the future. So um, just give you an example. We, as we saw clients move to the cloud, we often saw them pick one cloud provider, harden it, deploy it, integrate their tool chains, drive efficiency, but then they said, and the you know, some of the things we spoke about with the regulator go, coming in and going, ah, oh, concentration risk, resiliency. Then they did that all over again with another cloud provider and then often did it again with another cloud provider. And they've ended up in this position where they've got all of these siloed environments where they've got different control postures across each, lack of visibility across each, and um, teams that only know how to operate within that particular silo. And this real example of some of the banks we worked with said, yeah, we didn't think about it, you know, where we were going. And um, they've ended up in a hybrid world, but without the ability to manage a hybrid world. So I think they, it's really important to think about where you're going to end up and then build for that um, from the start. So because we have always uh, viewed the world ending up as hybrid, we've built solutions. You know, our purchase of Red Hat um, is a key foundation of our cloud, so it makes it much easier to move things around um, different environments. We've also got solutions like Security and Compliance Center, which monitors your control posture and can make sure across a hybrid world, be it on-premise, be it across multiple clouds, that you're able to see and, and proactively and reactively control your, um, your, your, your your control posture, as it were, across all of these environments. So these types of solutions make it easier. So I get the, the answer would be really think about why you're doing it and where the value is, but secondly, where you're going to end up and where the world is going and architect for that from the start because it's very hard to retrofit after the... Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because you end up in a situation that you've alluded, you both alluded to the fact that you can have a composable, smaller cloud solution for a specific use case, which isn't a bad way to dip your toe in the water. But as you referenced, and you've referenced also, you've got to understand a lot about what's coming down the road. If you're not flexible, if you don't build in that flexibility, that, that nimbleness, you're, you're going to get stuck either shutting it all down, starting over, or if you're lucky, you've built it with the knowledge of what's going to come up and you pivot, which is a whole different concept. So in that whole concept of the future, where do you see hybrid cloud being and being used three years from now? I used to say five years from now, but that's it. <laughs> Nobody can think. I can't think five years ahead for anything. So, you know, where would you see it, you know, in the future? I think it's becoming um, accepted now, whereas before it was a, a thing, it was... I'm going to the cloud and then now I'm going to be operating in the hybrid cloud world. I think it's become accepted that this is the norm. So we're now seeing the focus very much on how do you make operation in a hybrid cloud environment simpler. So all of these things that I spoke about, how do I get one pane of glass across, you know, logging and monitoring across all of my environments? How do I build once, deploy anywhere? Um, so I'm not having all of these siloed environments. I think we're seeing much more um, development in that layer. Um, which interconnects all of this together. Similarly, in the, in the AI space, the Gen, a, Gen, Gen AI space, the data fabric space. So I think what we're seeing is this will almost become standard. People won't think about it. So in three to five years time, I think it'll just become normal. It won't even be a, a thing, right? In terms of I've got to build something special. It'll, all the tools, all the capability will be there. And it'll just be the default, right? So that's how I see it playing out anyway. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think it has definitely become the norm. And the focus, I think, in the next three years is on simplification, to your point. I comments very, that's a very good point. That that's got you know, when you talk about what's gotta be in the back of your mind, yeah. that's gotta be in the back of your mind that how do I make it simpler, easier? Yeah. 
more seamless as the integration. Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. And I think we're going to see that focus on simplification of tools or a common set of tools that go through all of those environments. And I agree with something Prakash said at the beginning is there was a push, I think, for some institutions all in on cloud at the beginning. And now they realize there are workloads that just really should remain on-prem. And so I think the focus now is on sort of simplifying the management of that of that environment. What do you see the regulatory environment being three years from now? <laughs> well, well, they have caught up. And I, I, yeah. I don't mean that derogatorily. It's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. We're trying to catch banks up. But, you know, but it is amazing how much the consumer is driving everything that's going on right now. Right. Because in order to, to satisfy their needs, the small business needs, what's going on in the marketplace, and all the new technologies, we're, we're all catching up. But, but how... Where do you see the, the regulatory environment being three years from now? Yeah, no, I think, you know, there will be additional focus on some of these newer technologies like AI and generative AI. While the principles exist in current uh, regulation and guidance, I think banks want more direction in that space. And to your point, consumers are driving this. Banks wouldn't be doing through this right. AI, generative right. AI, if there wasn't this demand from the consumers on more personalization and speed. And so- What they want in their life. Exactly. Not what they want in their bank. They, you know, well, look at Amazon. Is, how much does Amazon and Hulu and Netflix drive our perception of what's possible? Right. And we want it everywhere. Exactly. In our hand. Yep. No, and, and, and that very much so, right? The whole thing is it's, it's being driven by cu customer and consumer experience, to your point. They want everything in real time, but that does have challenges. You know, we're at a payment conference here, so yeah. um, real-time payments, for example. You know, a few years ago, maybe most of the, the, the governments now have pushed for real-time payments to become a thing, and in Europe, they're, they're pushing for cross-border payments to become, you know, in real-time to be available as well. And um, going back to the point we made earlier, all of that is great for the consumer, but it's become harder for the banks to stop fraud because now you have right. milliseconds to detect it. Whereas oh, when it was when you had hours or days, security you could do that. experience, yeah, exactly. security right. experience, yeah. And and it's interesting because the hybrid cloud helps that because it can speed up the processes. And it, and it's just interesting as we as we're at this Cybos conference and really more than just payments, it's the the future of value transfer because it, we think about money. We think about, you know, credit and everything else, but it's bigger than that. And, and at the end of the day, how do we set up this? How do we set the stage for the future in a world where we still have the legacy thoughts of how does it drive revenue? How do we, how do we eliminate costs and all this when really, if you do the other things right, mm. it kind of takes care of itself, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's interesting, but it's a long haul. And, and I think yes. you, know, you both referenced the fact that using partners in this whole implementation process is so important, be it IBM, be it anyone, be it multiple firms, which we all, I think, feel strongly about that it's, it's a good way to go. But we're only going to make this transformation if we don't look internally only and bring in the partners that are really the specialists. I mean, that's why IBM and, and you have become partners is that you brought a solution that they knew was needed internally. Right, and that's embedding, I think, you know, uh, risk and compliance yeah. in addition to security in all of these processes. Um, you know, 
historically it's always been, you know, embed security, don't bolt it on later. I think there is a recognition you have. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, unfortunately, that's the way it was. Yeah. But but yeah. you have to do the same thing with risk and compliance. Right. It has to be built yeah. into the solution. Um, I think FS Cloud is a good example of that, building it into the solution instead of bolting it on later. Thank you so much for being on the show. You know, it's interesting because we haven't touched on the hybrid cloud or cloud in general very much on the show, but it's so much the foundation upon which so much other, so many other things are built. And it's something that's got to be in the mindset of every institution, no matter what size you are, because it's not about mass, it's about efficiency, it's about security, all these other elements. Judith Prakash, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Great. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed what we're doing and the guests we're getting, please take some time to give a review and show some love and form a review on your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to catch what we're doing on the Digital Banking Report and the articles I'm writing for the financial brand as well as realizing that now this podcast is available on YouTube. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Krista Salias, video producer, Will Pritz, and our on-site team with Carson Masterson. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, in banking, the future is hybrid. Embrace it, secure it, and innovate with it. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.